0: The Wizards of Drivel is proud to partner with Beer52, the world's most popular craft discovery club. And as a Wizards of Drivel listener, you can get your hands on a free case of delicious beer to help you unwind after yet another Stoke Goal Fest. This month, Beer52 and some of the best craft brewers from around the UK and Europe have come together to bring some incredible flavours as part of their Citizens of Everywhere case. When I think of Europe, I usually think of Joe Allen dominating major tournaments, the Bojan Shakiri on out of its front three and Tony Pulis sending Diego Arismendi out to beat Valencia. But it turns out they do some nice beer too, including Sweden's Beer Bibliothek and France's Mount Salev. Try your first case free, just pay 5 95 postage. That's eight incredible craft beers, ferment magazine and a snack delivered with next day shipping. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. That's beer52.com forward slash wizards. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. My name is David Cowlashaw and I'm joined by Ben Cartwright. Hello. And I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Hi. Yes, so last time we did a podcast, Stoke had just won at Blackburn. We'd been unbeaten in six and uh, since that episode we've conceded five, got one point out of a possible <laughs> six and just generally been a bit shite. Uh, Tom Thrower... Uh, you were at Rotherham yesterday. It felt genuinely horrible to be there. By the end, uh, what what do you make of not only these last two games and this and the subsequent and the subsequent reaction to them?
1: I I, I just miss our nil nils. If I'm honest, like it was nice when we weren't scoring goals when nothing happened. I think scoring in the first place is where it went wrong. I just don't have a clue. It was such a weird game yesterday because I felt even like in the first half, before things started to go shit, I was present, but I wasn't like actively watching the game. I I knew I was there, but I had no like sentient presence at the ground. I I, I don't goodness me. I don't know what was happening. I don't know where I was. I was in like a different place. I think it's because Game of Thrones is coming out, and I'm just too excited for it. <laughs> Or, or something like that But it was weird And I felt like everyone else at the ground was a bit like that It was a bit sort of Oh yes, here is a football match That I think I'm watching It was strange
0: Yeah, there was a, a weird kind of disconnect from it Even when we were winning 2-0 It never felt like Oh, I'm in the home ground of my team And we're winning 2-0 I am enjoying this It was more sort of Yeah, something that happened to us And it's kind of reflective of Uh, I think the team in a lot of the games of the season, the the game is happening to us. We're not influencing it. Um, But, yeah, we we go 2-0 up against the run of play. uh, And then we just get battered by fucking Rotherham. What? what? (laughs) Absolute uh, madness. A lot of people uh, very critical of Nathan Jones. A lot of people absolutely furious with the players. A lot of people talking about the the atmosphere inside the stadium at the time saying, this is a bit ridiculous now. Um, I don't want to just solely blame one party or just say everything's as simple as that's the problem. Uh, And I think all three, like all three, so coaching staff, players and fans have their own parts to play. But if we are going to point the finger Ben, uh, where where are we pointing the finger first?
2: Oh my goodness me! What a question! Um, oh goodness, I think to be honest with you, I think the finger, uh, reticently will be pointed at the players. I think as well, we us three were sat together um, once before when it's happened like this this season against Shrewsbury, and and that was possible. Well, definitely more embarrassing than this one, but similar circumstances, and I think. It's that thing which I don't think a coach can put their finger at. I don't think us as fans can put a finger at. But our players just don't seem to, I don't know, have something within them that means that if you're winning 2-0 against one of the worst teams in the league or, in fact, a team that isn't even in your league, why can't you go on and and win the game? I mean, I know we didn't play very well in the first half. We got two goals in the blink of an eye, which is lucky and lovely. Don't waste that and we did once again it's it's frustrating and i i know that fingers will start to be pointed at nathan jones i mean there does seem to be similarities between our unbeaten run with gary rower and then that awful run that led to his sacking now are we, we going to go through the same thing now obviously not really but um yeah it's a weird one it's just it's it, it stoke how can you do so well for a run of games or win a, a half 2-0 and then the next lot of games or the next half, it's a completely different story. And that's exactly happened here. It's, It keeps on happening where it's like, we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding. And then it just all seems to collapse. It's like we're playing bloody Jenga. <laughs> yeah, Tom, um, the
0: mentality of the players has been brought up. Uh, there were a few comments around me at the ground that were to the effect of, you're not putting the effort in, you're not putting a shift in, You know, sod off, you're on X amount, X thousand a week. Why can't you look like a fucking footballer? Um, And maybe not there, but I think there is something about the mentality of this squad that either is maybe too confident when we're 2-0 up, maybe is arrogant in the way we approach these teams further down the table. Uh, We had a kind of situation earlier in the season under Rawat where we'd only start playing when we were 2-0 down and you look at things like not being able to score a penalty and you just think are we this fragile? Is this squad like a lot of delicate little souls? We we had the juve comments in the week as well about how Stoke fans can get on your back if you mis- misplace a pass and stuff and you feel like that that's kind of all piling into the squad this kind of emotional baggage almost but having said that like I said Nathan Jones made some odd decisions yesterday. Not going to beat around the bush about that. Ashley Williams at right back did seem an odd decision at the time. Klukas and McLean on the wings is not anyone's idea of an exciting dynamic pair. But uh, at full time, Nathan Jones is booed by the booth and end. Like, how do we how how do we justify that? I don't want to just kind of say, "Oh, if you booed, you're a fucking idiot." But I I wanna kind of be able to explain why that isn't helpful. So Tom, what what did you make of, of the booing?
1: I I'm I'm properly at the end of my tether with that, actually. I I feel it's it's not often I get actually angry and I'm not putting it on and being sarcastic and being a bit of a twat, but I'm actually really embarrassed by that as a club. You've got a manager who He's trying to show passion to the fans. He's trying to show that he cares just as much as they do and he isn't over the moon. And he goes to the booven end and gets booed. And I've talked about it before. I've I've written a blog um, talking about how booing is pretty dangerous, especially in this situation. And now we were turning a corner. We had that Sheffield Wednesday performance, which is probably the best we've seen Stoke play all season. And then a good win away at Blackburn. And then a loss against a very good Swansea team, who on their day are the best team in the league when they want to be, when they all kick into games and get going. And and you've got to remember that we played most of the match with nine men there. And then we slumped to a two-all draw with Rotherham, which isn't a brilliant result. but, But I think there's an arrogance from the fan base. There's an arrogance towards the championship in a sense of, I don't think people pay attention to who we're playing. So yeah, Rotherham are in the bottom three. They are one of the worst teams in the league. But they aren't they aren't cast adrift. They aren't they aren't Bolton. They aren't Ipswich. They aren't gone. They have a genuine chance of staying in this league. Whereas we have Fuck all to play for and it and it is an excuse and I am making an excuse for the players that And that isn't good enough. They should be able to compete with that. But you've got to remember with this Rotherham team, when Stoke come down from the Premier League and their wages get halved from, let's say, 40,000 to 20,000, that's not going to change their lives. People aren't going to lose their jobs. At Rotherham, if they go down from the Championship to League One and your wage goes from three grand a week to a grand and a half a week or less, you're still earning okay money, but your life will change. That is life changing amounts of money being changed, and people will lose their jobs at that football club. And the fan our fan base just doesn't pay attention to any of that. And Booing Jones just because he subbed Bojan off.
0: Is that why though? I love is Bojan. That why? Is it more not the double double crap performance during this week?
1: I don't think it is. I genuinely think it's because of the subs, because I feel like that Bojan sub was booed heavily. A phobie's involvement for the rest of the match was criticised heavily from the ground. It's just so annoying and I think that we saw what it causes. We saw Jones come out and have a snipe at Bojan and I don't think that's because Jones has a problem with Bojan. I think Jones is clearly unhappy with some element of Bojan's game. He's not doing something that he wants him to do. I have no idea what that is and it's not what I'm focusing it on. But Jones is frustrated that the fans' reaction to him being taken off is is, is so negative negative. And and I think for me, it draws away from it. So Stoke were worse when Bojan came off the pitch and all that booing and the focus on Bojan takes it away from the actual players who were still on the pitch doing shit job for us. We had 11 players on the pitch who were all on good money, who were all experienced footballers, who all should be able to fucking pull together and have a shot at some point through their team effort and it just didn't come. And I don't know where I've gone. I've lost all my coherency. I'm just really pissed off with everything.
0: It's it's really frustrating. And I I totally get that about the sort of his comments being a kind of reaction to the to the fans. And I, that's fair enough in one regard. But is it not Gary Rowett all over again? Because we've, we've done this with Gary Rowett. Fans chant for Bojan... Uh, in the case of Rotherham away, Bojan comes on and scores, and now it's still like, "Oh well, Tom Ince had a good game as well." Um, so, is it is it simply that? And and if it is the case, then how how do you kind of mend that relationship? Because no, in Stoke fans, if they've decided they don't like you, they will they will stick to their guns on that. Um, uh, yeah, and the, the Bojan comment does surprise me a bit, Tom, because based on the people around me. There's quite a lot of Stoke fans who don't like Bojan now, so it's it's an it's an odd one. I I definitely agree. We were a better side with him in it. Did he have a good game yesterday? Average, probably. No, no worse than anyone else. But is it not Jones's job to motivate this team, albeit in meaningless games, Ben? Should he not be doing better with what he's got? Well, yeah.
2: I mean, that is the worry, I think, at the back of everyone's minds. And that's where the booing's probably come from, in my opinion. Because like, I still look at that team and you think, well, individually they are good players. And individually we come on each week on this podcast. And most of the time, there, there aren't many players in that team now that we we say week in, week out of crap. I know, Tom, you'll say Alan is, but in the past <laughs> few weeks he's played all right. And he's had good games, and and it's the same for pretty much every one in that starting eleven. Maybe Clucas is the one you'd say is pretty crap all the time. Um, so why it it comes together and and it just doesn't work when they're eleven? It it still doesn't make any sense. And you're right, Nathan Jones. It's his job. It's his literal job to come in and change that. And it still hasn't happened. But he he did always say, "Just wait. This isn't going to be." this isn't going to come together this season, like it still doesn't feel like we've got that set eleven when we when he came in we it kind of felt like we would have a set eleven by now, but we still don't if we're being honest we don't have a formation, we don't have a plan really, and maybe that's because of the players are all crap, maybe that's because Nathan Jones is still just testing everything out and maybe just like he doesn't want to put too much on these players because he knows that the next season it's all going to be changed, maybe he's going to get rid of half of them. who knows what's going on. But it's not working at the moment and to be honest with you, it's got to that point where I'm asking how many games are left of the season or checking how many games are left of the season because I want it to be over now and I think that's sad. But at the same time, I think I want it to be over because I'm excited to see what's going to come next season and I truly believe that Nathan Jones is going to to turn it around, he's going to do something special at Stoke. I still do believe that and the, the problem with booing is... It's a vocalisation of of discontent, obviously, and the reason why people do it is because they want their voices heard. And yes, it's great to have. Well, as fans, you need your voice heard. I, I I truly believe that. But there was a reason for having our voices heard when Rabbit was doing crap. Because I think pretty much everyone wanted him out. And what is the benefit now of that vocalisation? I don't I don't see it because Jones isn't going to go. We'd be absolutely stupid to let this manager go, uh, considering his past he hasn't had a full chance yet and yeah it hasn't come together but I, I really think it will and let's just I just I just want to wait I just want i just want the season to be over so we can see him and, and let's see who's right and hopefully it's the, like, all the Stoke fans because we'll be backing him to the Hilt next season
1: I think I think that is the key difference isn't it Raoult said after the Swansea mm. game I think it was he said this is my yeah. team you can now you can now criticise me on the basis of this is my team and this is what I've put together And obviously I think Jones is like petrified of having to pick that moment and it might not even come next season. We might have to wait till next January or God forbid next summer, not the one coming. Um, And I think in his post-match, whilst Jones did focus on Bojan in a sense of, oh, that's who the fans like, he also laid into the rest of the squad. I think the only person he didn't criticise was um, James McLean. I think he said something along the lines of, McLean worked hard. Um, but said that he was unhappy with the entirety of the team. So maybe we're now at a stage where Jones has sort of placated to the players in playing this this four-two-three-one, four-four-two, four-four-one-one one, weird formation. Uh, uh, placated to them in, a, okay, I'll try and teach you my football without my system, um, and, and we'll get there in the summer. I think now maybe we've reached a stage where he's just pissed off with the players. He said, look, I've made this allowance for you and you lot still can't step up for me. And he he said that in a sense of when he first came in, they had this problem with just capitulating and falling apart. And he thought he'd solved it and it just came back yesterday. And that's where I feel annoyed at the criticisms of Jones because there's only so much a manager can do when things start going wrong during a game that they haven't been planning for in the weeks, especially when you haven't had that pre-season where you've got that, that, that core to build from. So I feel that just... Man, just give everyone a bit of time, even some of the players who we think are shit. Even Sam Clucas might come good if he's given a good pre-season. Who fucking knows? And I don't want to be in a situation where... I'm going into next season, being like, right. How long is this manager going to last for? When's he going to get sacked? Just want to change. Jones is changing the culture within the playing staff and at the club. So, as fans, let's change our culture towards the players. Let's get back to where we were before Hughes fucked everything up. The problem is,
2: I just don't see it happening. We we're in a rut, and I don't see how that's going to change. How? How do you? How does a fan group, a fan, or a, f- a fandom of a football team change its culture. I think that's an impossibility. We are now a fan group that has the culture of everything that we hate in the Premier League. We expect too much. We are like Arsenal fans, like how we used to view Arsenal fans. I think we're mar- we're whiny. We react too quickly to things, and we basically think everyone's against us. And it's frustrating because it's just it's just so different. Going to the match is just such a different experience these days as it, as it was and. Being on Twitter now as well probably exacerbates that problem, but it's just how we've all tried it. I think everyone here has probably written an article about, oh, wow, we need to change our. We need to be more behind the team. What can you do? Is there mm. is that a question that can be answered?
0: Mm. Uh, like Everyone has pretty much acknowledged the fact that if Jones is to succeed at all, he needs to be given lots and lots of time. And everyone's pretty much said that even the people, even well, most of the people who are really criticizing, criticizing him now are saying, okay, he's really annoyed me so far, but, um, I'll, I'll give him the summer. I'll give him next season. Uh, there was, uh, the famous Jim from radio Stoke who says the players are disgraced. The players aren't trying PS sack Nathan Jones, uh, because he isn't Tony Waddington or something. He's a, He's a fucking idiot, that Jim. But, um, <laughs> yeah, my, my worry is whilst everyone acknowledges that need for time, say we get the squad overhaul Nathan Jones wants over the summer, say we get the squad overhaul we want. all the perceived wasters are off our books. We get uh, exciting players from the lower leagues. We get young players. We get James Justin and Matt Clark and that Wigan keeper and, you know, all these kind of potentially exciting up and coming players we we like the look of and we struggle in the first 10 games and we're about where we are now and we haven't we win 2 in 10 or 1 in 10 or whatever it is i think our default position is to hit the panic button people say oh it's clearly not working get pulis I, i'm i'm genuinely that concerned that we just see everything in pure like binary well problem therefore solution is whereas you've got to look at way more way more than just a manager way more than just sign this player um or we haven't mentioned the recruitment team uh so far this episode but i think we've kind of done them to death maybe in terms of the the relegation blame game and all that mm-hmm. uh but yeah, just look, looking at that team, McLean and Klukas on the wings, Williams at right back, although I did feel sorry for Williams yesterday. He put an absolute beauty of a crossing for the goal. And I just think Gary Rowett bought a bit of shit, really. He, and I don't want to dig out just the Gary Rowett players, but we spent a lot of money on crap again and we didn't overhaul the squad properly. And how do we know it's gonna work
2: this time? Yeah, because we're literally we're literally a club that's got people in positions that are supposed to be stopping that from happening. I know you said you don't want to talk about it, but it's like how are we how are we continue to get it so wrong. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. This this transfer window is being billed as the big change and this massive thing because, of course, it is. But we're gonna whatever happens. Really, all you can be is excited about most players that come in the door. It's very difficult to know how they're going to end up playing for us. So it's going to be a long summer, I think. A lot of change, but it won't be till that first day back. Hopefully, we won't have Leeds, at hmm. Leeds on the first day again. Um, <laughs> hopefully, they go up. But yeah, it's going to be a worrying, I think, an interesting but worrying summer, I think, still.
1: We're so getting looting on the first game of the oh, season. God. And they're so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be fun. Mm. Uh, yeah it's it uh, just quickly on the recruitment side it's funny well, it's not funny it's fucking awful um how everyone identified the problem under Hughes was that Hughes had too much say, and Hughes was allowed to bring in players he wanted to bring in, and we spent an entire transfer bloody window chasing James McLean, who'd been training on his own because Raul had some bizarre obsession with him. that's all I want to say. <laughs>
0: Uh, We'll have some correspondence then, shall we? At G Stokey. Responsibility rested at the players' feet yesterday. That same psychology of nervy playing every time the opposition team gets a foothold. Can see why fans were frustrated with the crowd booing, but also think Jones should have read the room better before coming over to applaud. But like everyone else is saying, write the last few games off, let Jones experiment and see how we do over the summer at Dukes Manango Uh, I worry for Nathan how much is it going to cost to ship out and recruit to his liking he says he wants a tight unit of 20 plus keepers the club needs to go all in and back him it's going to cost a fortune and take years I can wait but many will not so yeah this is this this theme of like oh, are we going to be too impatient ah it's worry probably (laughs) (laughs) Good, Uh, Sam of Stoke at the game yesterday I didn't boo but to be honest I didn't cheer much either on here though I've read more criticism of the crowd than the players my slightly rambling point is when did any of our general crapness become all the crowd's fault Uh, uh, Tom uh, I think you probably uh, gave the crowd more stick than us two so far so do you want to maybe justify it
1: (laughs) Yeah, to, to, to quote something that I've seen said a lot by journalists at the minute in relation to other things that I'm not going to talk about, it's possible to walk whilst chewing gum. So, I'm I, I, while I might focus my criticisms at the fans, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think the players are to blame, because I do think there's some crap players, and I did tweet something along the lines of, it's impressive that Sam Klukas can score a goal and I can still miss Tom Innes. Um it, it, yeah, the players were crap. The players were really, really crap to a man, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, maybe not to a man. I feel sorry for uh, Peter Etebo and it's unsurprising that he will be linked away with moves all summer because he's just too good for this shower of shit. But and Jack Butland too. God,
2: um, Butland yeah. made some great saves, didn't he? Yeah, Bloody
1: yeah. He did.
0: <laughs> oh, man of the match against Rotherham, Jack Butland.
2: Yeah,
0: I amazing. Know. Uh, Marcus, most fans said they were, they are writing off the rest of the season when Jones was appointed and he had to be given the summer to bring his own players in. Let's face it, how many of the current squad fits Jones' fast-paced, free-flowing football? Nothing has changed in that respect. Players should hang their heads in shame. Jones said it in his interview, they fell back into old habits. Most of our squad are mentally weak and not fit enough to play the system. Clear out needed in the summer. Imagine the end of the season can't come quick enough for Jones. Uh, So, a lot of these on a very similar theme. Uh, Finally, a thread from our mate Tony Lloyd. Uh, This season was a free hit. The state we were in when James came in, and it feels like we're forgetting that. He's trying to stuff out and learning about the players. Games like this, he'll learn a lot. There's no way we deserve to be 2-0 up. So, the fact we got a point out of a CAC performance is a positive of sorts. Rubbish though it was. We've seen positives since he came in, and it's not like saying that was fine... Based on his Luton record, I trust that he has a plan for next season, and days like these are refining it. Hopefully, that's not to say some of his team selection subs aren't baffling. But I reckon he has his reasons. Also, we're playing a team renowned in this league for coming back from losing positions, who are fighting for their lives while we've got nothing to play for. Um, great points. Yeah, absolutely. What what do we what do we think of the kind of argument that? Yes, it's a new system, and yes, these aren't Nathan Jones' players, but the players themselves have very little excuse for the standard of performance we've been getting. I know there's been a lot of experimentation, and sometimes players are playing in roles they're not used to, See Williams at right-back, Martins India at left-back. But how is it that we are so one-dimensional with what is on paper an expensively assembled championship side? Is that is that so is it all tactics, or do you think there is not just kind of being mentally weak but being but genuinely not caring? Do you think that's that's a real issue?
1: I don't know about genuinely not caring. I'm a bit dismayed at certain individuals, specifically the people who've been playing out wide, your Klukases, your McLeans, your inters and maybe you likes of a phobie with with Campbell waiting in the wings at Shrewsbury um that that these are players who've got to be aware that their place in the side is at best a threat if not sort of already written off because they don't fit the system they don't fit Jones's style. I'd expect the players like that to be the ones who are working themselves silly, are trying everything, are trying to show a little bit of look, boss, you've got to fit me in somehow. And to a man, none of them have, not one of them. I I can't remember a performance. Maybe Tom Innes has had a couple of okay, 7 out of 10 decent-ish games. The rest of them, I'm a bit like, what have you done for Jones to go, you know what, I've got to find a way to keep him in this side. You've got players like Etipo and everyone hold yourselves back, cause I'm about to praise Joe Allen, who has changed his role, and at times Allen has looked mature and composed at the base of a midfield, which I thought was impossible, because every manager had tried it and it had failed. But you've got certain players in that squad, and I'm sure they know who they are, who've just done fuck all under Jones. Yeah, the season's gone, yeah, there's nothing to play for competitively, but you're playing for your place at a football club. And I don't know why... That doesn't seem to be enough for some of them.
2: I think there's probably an arrogance in individual players that they're they're still too good for what Stoke what the position Stoke are in. I think that probably maybe there is a bit of that. I imagine so. You've got a lot of players there, and I said it a couple of weeks ago that are the worst of the best. They are they are sort of players that have played in the Premier League come down and obviously expected to go back up and they haven't done that and they're probably like well next season whatever it goes goes on my reputation precedes me I'll probably end up going to another team like Stoke next season or I'll may maybe I'll get lucky and I'll get into a, a Norwich team or something I think that there must be a bit of that because otherwise it just doesn't make any sense because you've got too many players there in that squad that were putting up numbers in the Premier League and for that to completely disappear in the red and white stripes of Stoke City still makes no sense. So, it's yeah, back to, I think, the first point I made on this on this podcast. It's a mentality thing that I don't think anyone has ever understood. Rao hasn't understood it. Hughes lost it. Jones still probably doesn't really get it either because the same old problems are still sticking their head in. Um so, yeah, I th- I think there must be something in people's heads, in those players' heads, that we just will never understand, unfortunately. And we can guess at it all we want, but at the end of the day, it's as, I th- as you said there, Tom, it's individuals. If you're not going to step up to it, why not? Why are you not doing that? It doesn't make any sense comment
0: from Simon on Twitter I blame the players I can accept as not being as good as other teams although on paper we should match any championship team but the seeming apathy and lack of desire from some of them is unacceptable Jones can take the donkeys to the river but he can't make them drink Uh, and finally before we move on a Facebook comment from Nick Frost not that one I think Jones has got it wrong in the last two games but I'm still sticking with him he is trying things each week some will go wrong some will work We've got to give him time and several windows. He has inherited a squad of players, not of his choosing. I like that he's giving youth a chance, something we've severely lacked in, in many years. As for getting rid, there's an argument to sell most of the current pack. It depends whether we get players in, though. Allen, Adam, Bauer, Sido, Fletcher, Vimmer, and Dye. Is he still on our payroll? In Beulah, all to go. That's a lot of players and a lot of money off the wed- wage budget. It's whether we can get the players in, though. Whoever we have in charge, it's going to take a number of seasons before we're challenging before promotion again. I think the championship is a hell of a competitive division. So yeah, a lot of frustrate frustration in our sort of social media comments today. I'm sorry, I literally do not have time to get to them all because uh, there are several well articulated tweets, and it's nice to to have. That standard of correspondence rather than just oh fuck off, everything's fucking shit. As valid a, as a point as that may be. Um, but we'll move on, uh, just uh, ladies and academy updates. City uh, ladies are playing as we record, and uh, at half time they were 2 0 down to Blackburn Rovers. Blackburn Rovers have already won uh, that league, so uh, very high standard of, of opposition they're playing there. And Stoke City under-18s played yesterday, finished Stoke City 4, West Brom 2, two goals for Adam Porter, one goal for Pat- Patrick Jarrett, and another goal for Mohamed Sanko, who appears to be getting a mention every time we do one of these updates, he's clearly in great form and one to keep an eye on.
1: I'm Ricardo Fuller, and you're listening to the Wizard of Driven
0: podcast. Now, lads, uh, something to lighten the mood, racism! Uh, uh this is going to be uh awkward as three white lads uh, delve into the murky waters of racism but i'm going to bring it up on this podcast because i don't think it's i don't think it's escaped anyone's attention that it's getting a lot more kind of media coverage in recent weeks uh, there seem to be more stories of racist incidents at football games happening all the time uh jacob steinbergs written a piece for the guardian about uh Racism in English football and how it's a uh, problem at park level and Premier League level. So, uh, one question I have. As football fans, what is our responsibility in terms of calling out racism? And do we, as a relatively minor football podcast, have any further responsibilities beyond that?
2: I think... if you're talking about in, in a game, and I think this is the same for any sort of discrimination or something that is disagreeable, then none of us are in a position to... Or none of us are trained or in a position to stop someone physically or I, I would even say vocally in saying something. I think, in my opinion, the responsibility is to go to someone trained. I mean, this might be a boring answer, but in terms of shouting at someone and saying, oh, what, like, what are you doing... It might make you feel a bit better, but in terms of actually sorting out the problem, it's not going to do anything because you're not going to change the view of that person um, who's spouting some bullshit. Um, obviously, there are stewards there for a reason. Go so, go, say something to them. And I think beyond that then, if someone is apprehended and stopped and re- re- removed from the game or whatever, that is the more interesting point in my in my view because that's where you can do something about it. Obviously... In this situation, a lot of the time, it's a lifetime ban. I listened to a podcast the other day by the Guardian about what Chelsea are doing, um, where they're actually applauded for their their sort of responses to racism. I know Chelsea, well, we all know Chelsea is a team that has really struggled with this image on countless occasions. Now, it's it's very embarrassing for them. But in terms of if someone gets caught by Chelsea, they don't just get a lifetime ban. Um, I'm just saying this in case no one else, if if someone else doesn't know, but um, they have a meeting with someone and basically they chat it through. And if they show any signs of remorse and say, "Yes, what I did was wrong," uh, then instead of giving a lifetime ban, they're sort of educated and, and go through a course or something that I'm I'm not sure, I'm not fully aware of the details of. But I know that it's not just right. That's it. You're banned because if you do write it, right. That's it. It's you're banned then what changes? That person is then going to just say whatever they're saying to someone else and I'm sure there'll be other people in their group that are saying the same thing. So I know education is now the buzzword um, for this kind of thing, but I, in my opinion, it's all you can do because I uh, it's ironic because I'm literally talking about it now, but I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to stopping this massive problem and, and from reading Jacob's piece in The Guardian, it, it is a massive problem and beyond anything I would have known anyway. Mm
1: I, I, yeah I, I echo everything Ben said about going to uh someone who's, who's trained and paid to deal with that and, and sort of knows the process and i agree that education is actually the way forward just to add to that i'd say um also report it to kick it out um uh, not necessarily just because they they offer a anonymous sort of tipping off service if you feel you don't want to sort of Put your name to something. I think it's actually quite important that we record this information, and 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 that's what Kick It Out to I think it's important that we have sort of a source of of, of these things because whilst I think they've reported that their reports have gone up by fifteen percent this season, I'm, I'm I'm it feels at times like these things necessarily might not change. It's more just the media starts paying attention to them for a bit, and th- and that'll wane, and then it'll come back up in two or three years. I think it is important that we do try and keep an accurate record because I think that's something that we can go, and this leads on to my second point, that you can go to the the authorities of football, the FA, uh, not necessarily us as fans, but I think being able to take something to them and say, look, this is a problem, what 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 are you doing about it?" Um, is something we need to do because I do think these institutions aren't necessarily held to account enough. Um, I, I think, and and it's something that um, Paul Elliott, who's the FA's head of diversity, equality and inclusion uh, committee, was talking about at um, uh, the Football Collective Conference I went to in November. And he was talking about how, it, well, actually, he was talking about how incidents on the pitch have gone down and have basically been wiped out of the game. But the past few months have shown that that's that's a falsehood um, and that the, there's a big problem with the FA as a whole is a bunch of old white men who have no idea about the problems and that's quite ironic as Dave said for three white guys to sit and talk about on a podcast but I do think we need to sort of challenge those authorities and say look something needs to be done about this because it is ruining the game and it, and it genuinely is I mean if you if you read that long read that, that Dave's um, promoted it's Devastating to think about what what twelve-year-old children are having to go through when playing football at the weekend. It's just, yeah, it's just really disheartening.
0: So, what do you think is kind of prompting this uh, maybe wave of racist incidents? Then, do you think it's maybe the same as it ever was, but maybe the spotlight's on it a bit more, so we're kind of more aware of it? We've had. You know, the Raheem Sterling stuff earlier in the season. We've had an uh, incident in League 1 where I think players walked off the pitch. We had the incident of the England game in Montenegro. Uh, we've had various fan bases being uh, caught singing all manner of god-awful stuff. Um, but is, is that a, a product of the media spotlight on it? Or is it maybe... People feel like they can do it more now. Do you do you think people are maybe in kind of the the political climate we are live in, and people maybe feel more emboldened to to say something racist? That the people maybe feel more justified in it. I because I, I, I don't think this is a, a new problem. I, there used to be a racist Stoke fan who sat behind me, and he basically got away with it on the on the uh, account of being kind of coked up and. Uh, would, would probably swing for you and no one wants to put themselves in a position where they endanger themselves or their family physically. And he, he kind of got away with it for about a season before deciding the atmosphere where we were wasn't very good. And uh, I hope he no longer goes to Stoke Games, but there's an example of we we haven't policed that ourselves. So maybe has does that gradually build up into be you know not not tolerated but being kind of
2: excused or ignored at matches i don't think the uh, sort of it's so easy for people and this the problem is is it's a systematic thing this isn't on an individual to change this but obviously for a system to change you need every individual to change at the same time and this isn't someone's pro- like it's not someone's fault for that for that man being an idiot if they don't sort of, if they don't confront him, I don't think that's the problem at all. Like, yes, I think the best thing is to do is to tell a steward or something like that, but putting yourself in danger because there's a racist idiot is, that's not going to solve the problem. And all it's going to do is potentially, as you say, harm yourself. So there has to be another way. And I, 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 what I don't understand about the current situation is how these stories just keep on coming out. It's like, we're so hyper aware of this being so wrong. It's, classes across the papers pretty much every day it seems that another group of idiots have been stopped being racist and now banned for life or whatever happened to them but then the next lot of idiots do it the next week or the next day How, who are these people thinking that this is what i'm saying or what i'm singing even is the right thing to say it it goes beyond me i just cannot understand that idiocy for one to think it, for one to do it anyway even though everyone's it's the spotlight's on it like it must be it is a view of the wider the wider sort of political sphere that we now live in because it's not just in England, it's in Italy, it's in Germany. I mean, it'll probably be in most football grounds in Europe where you've got some group of idiots. But it's just about how loud they shout and how much notice you take. And obviously, we've got to a point now where we're at bubbling point. And to be honest, that's probably a good thing because not a good thing in what they're saying, but it's a good thing that they're now getting caught and now that it's be- we're becoming hyper aware of it, then you're going to start really rooting all of this problem out and starting to find a solution. Hopefully, that's that's the big hope out of this is that now that it is so much in our eye and and so much we know about that someone goes or a system or a or a group goes right. That's it. Let's do something to change
0: it. Tommy, is it is it not kind of is is football maybe getting a bit of undue rap? This is. A societal problem that just happens to be manifesting itself in football perhaps because that's where large groups of uh, mostly white men congregate and where something like that is more likely to happen, where you get crowds of people and if you get enough crowds of like-minded idiots in one place then, then that's going to be a, a, a touchstone for that so I d- is it football? Is it football's job to fix? That might sound quite disingenuous, but can football fix it, or is it a kind of societal problem that needs fixing as, as well?
1: I, I think it's definitely a societal problem. In that, it, it's it football and what happens in football grounds is just a microcosm of what's going on in society. But I do think football presents a really strong um, opportunity for something to tackle it because. I think, and I think it sort of it relates to something Ben was talking about about how it might be a good thing, and we might now be able to fight it because we're in a different position. I think if you look at the recent reactions specifically to racism towards players on the pitch, I don't think we've ever had such a, a reaction of like emboldened players. I mean, Sterling is an absolute hero for for some of the stuff that he. It's just, he it just doesn't give a shit anymore. He is not taking it. He is not putting up with it. And same to the wider football reaction to um, benucci's reaction to the to the racist abuse that Moses Keen was subject to. I think that's something that football can do. Football puts people, put puts uh, people of colour in positions that society at large doesn't necessarily represent them in. They don't hold the the power to be able to manipulate the discourse. In, in the political field but on a football pitch I think Raheem Sterling can say something and reach 60 million people in the UK and be able to affect a change and no, that shouldn't be rested on Raheem Sterling's shoulders to do that in a sense of it shouldn't be up to individual fans to tackle racism at the ground but it does present us with a unique opportunity to combat that and as then again as a football supporters and bringing it back to as a podcast maybe that's the way you do it maybe that's the way you say things like you tweet something like well done uh, like uh, Raheem, you're the best like just support the people who are fighting this because that is such a hard thing to do i imagine i have no idea as a white man how, how hard it must be to confront racism but the people who are doing it i think we should provide full support to
0: yeah, absolutely. And uh, there you go, three white guys solve racism. Um, just uh, a few things to mention before we go. Uh, com. We are putting more articles and things on the website. Uh, we've had kind of match previews with opposition fans. I've done a review of the uh, Macari's Red and White Army film. Uh, I've also done a piece on uh, empty seats and people who leave early and the whole kind of Empty had situation. And if you want absolute froth and nonsense, go to wizardsofdrivel.com forward slash C-Y-O-A for a, a Stoke City choose-your-own-adventure game that is uh, absolutely not a rip-off of Bandersnatch at all. It's complete original content. And sure. uh, yeah, uh, go over to com for all that. If you want to support the pod, patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel or beer52.com forward slash wizard to get free beer and perhaps more beer beyond that, question mark. Um, I think that's it. Tom, you got any other business, anything you've not got off your chest that you just want to tell the good folks at home?
1: I think I've done enough (laughs) talking for for one podcast. Hmm.
0: Next week we give away his address so you can find him. <laughs>
2: you know what I saw on Twitter yesterday? The Match of the Day running order and I thought, God, I miss being asked about where I'd come on the Match of the Day running order. Those were the days. <laughs> I I'm,
1: uh, miss being last on it.
0: I haven't watched Quest in weeks. I'm just too uh, too sad. I was driving up the uh, M6 and like the Norwich fans were driving past us on the way to Wigan thought oh that must be nice that's we that's what we should be doing we should be going to a promotion defining game (sighs) oh well thank you very much
1: I reckon we had a much better time of our nil-nil there Dave
0: yeah probably and we've got uh, Middlesbrough and Norwich to look forward to as well so fun times ahead for us all Uh, thank you Tom cheers thank you Ben
2: good night
0: Ah, Good night, everyone. Go on, Stoke.